0: So as we were worshiping, as we were worshiping, so I am Mexican and I am from the barrio, which means we talk very fast. And and so I'm going to talk a little slower. What I did see, when I do see about this church, you know what a herald is? Kind of just calls out. So in my mind, I see things above the earth when I'm with the Lord. So he shows me things above the earth. So like I can see the map of the United States. And in this part of Detroit, I see a herald. And he's 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 just raising his horn and it's going out and it's hitting places that you don't even like you can't even see with your with your eyes. It just travels through the air and it hits places. This church, I believe, is called number one to praise the Lord. I feel like it's a weapon that God's given us to praise and to worship. And then I see dancing. I saw that last time I was here dancing. And actually it actually sounded like a like, you know, in America we could say Pentecostal, right? But I also feel like Yes, fire of God. So, like, I saw all sorts of people here. I saw a full band. I see children being busy up there, in fact, like, too loud. And you're like, excuse the kids, they're having fun. I see, like, family, like, what we saw yesterday at the women's thing, our women's event, sorry, I call everything thing. Um, There was people coming up to the windows. And I'm like, this is what church is going to be like on a Sunday morning one day. There's be kids playing out there. There's be people coming in, and it's just it's just our hearts' condition, our attitude towards growing, and multiplying. And I saw drums. I saw people moving and shaking their booty. And I saw people sh- um, over here kind of dancing. I just saw a house full. And I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna pray over this church, and I'm gonna ask that that the Lord would set a blaze. I actually saw the lampstand like a lampstand being on fire, and somebody coming. And, and taking a torch and then igniting different parts of the city. So almost like God has given you the power and authority. God is, I think one thing that we do is we we, we become victims in our own mind. And we, we want God to do all of it. But he actually has given us responsibility from the very beginning. He's given us a responsibility and a choice. And so every day, like right now, I'm thinking I got to go home and do dishes. I'm not like, they. you know, I hear you guys talk very highly of us and I love the fact that God is being glorified in my life, but I still got to clean. I got to get the dog out. We got to. I got to bathe my daughter, and who doesn't like the water? I got to take her to preschool when she cries, and the God, like I'm a normal human being, just like everyone else. But with the Lord and His anointing, and with the Holy Spirit's power and fire, we can get stuff done. And so I just feel like there needs to be an activation. No offense, okay? There has to be an activation. I, I need teachers. There's going to be kids coming. We need teachers. Who loves children? Who loves to dance? Who loves to play instruments? Who loves to worship the Lord? Let's get it done. We don't know when Christ is coming back. Let's get the stuff done. And in our terms, it'd be another word, but we're not gonna use that because I'm on the pulpit. I'm not allowed to. But we just need to we need to be activated. So, Lord, I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you that their weapon is praise and worship and dancing, God. Dancing. I pray. I pray this over this church. I pray for for just clarity of mind, activation knowing that they are called and equipped to do the work, knowing that they can be strengthened in you every day in their private life, And they can go and preach the word in their workplaces, in their schools. They have the power and the authority to do it. No one's laughing at them in heaven. Everyone in heaven is cheering them on. Father, I pray for the power and the might of you in everyday lives in this place. Father, I pray for multiplication. I pray for family. I pray for for the vision that you gave me yesterday about the people coming in. I pray, Lord, that the hearts would be open, that we're open to change. We're open to whatever it is that you've asked us to be open to. We submit to your authority. You rule and you reign in this place. You rule and you reign in this place. And that's what we're going to say. God is king. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And we're going to declare that in this place and, and places beyond and, and regions beyond us. Father, you're bigger than anything that we could ever think or imagine. We cannot measure you. We cannot measure your love for your people in this region. We can't measure your love for the lost. We only know what we know. And you know what you know. And you know way more than what we know. So Lord, we submit our will. We submit our minds. We submit our desires and whatever it is to you today. Thank you, Jesus, for being here. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. There's no sweeter place to be but in your presence, and we're going to soak it all in, and when we get home, we're going to soak it all in, and then we go back to work, we're going to soak it all in, because you never leave us. You never leave us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to say, we started this service uh, just saying that God comes to us, and it's our responsibility is to hear and receive, and Vanessa is anointed prophetically these things that she shared please don't take this as like you know I, I we'll see God doesn't say we'll see it's it's a matter of hearing and believing and receiving it by faith with expectation and then stepping as though it's absolutely true into it that's that's the way we must respond to what we just heard so um, let's pray for Jody Lord we thank you for this gift of ministry that you have sent into uh, your church to equip saints, and we are your saints, and Lord, we pray that you, from heaven, would equip us through this man, bless him today,
1: as he has come to bless us so richly, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. thank you, Paul, we, um, we are privileged to be here, we ca- uh, counted a blessing to be in partnership with Border City, and I'm so thankful for the eldership team who has invited us to come and minister with you, not to you. Uh, with you uh, we are the priesthood of all believers there's there's no more value on my life than there is on your life and I don't believe there's more anointing on my life than there is on your life it's just a, just a recognition of what Jesus is doing in us and with us that might be the difference and um, God is wanting to use his church like never before um, and, and, and if, if you believe that we are a prophetic people and I believe God's people are a prophetic people um, there, there is something I shared with the leadership team last night as a reminder, is that prophetic people um, see the future. And it's not fortune-telling. It, it is us seeing what God is showing us ahead. And how many of you believe that the Lord wants to show you what's coming? Um, he, he, is, he is not a, a, a God of, uh, you know, kind of surprises, although there is the suddenlies of God. I don't believe there is anything he doesn't prepare his bride for. And Jesus is preparing his bride. He's preparing his church for the things to come. Um, and so we, we see the future, and then we must prepare for the future. And as God shows us things, you know, uh, let's just say, you know, God, when when a family knows they're having a child, now what happens? They need to prepare, right? You start setting up rooms. You start buying cribs. You start buying supplies for this child that's going to come. There's a preparation that takes place. And this is what happens for the people of God. We start preparing for that which God is calling forth. And then lastly, we become right, we begin to walk into what God has said, and, and you may not know it, you know, Vanessa and I were talking to Paul Minda yesterday, but you guys are becoming that which the Lord has called forth. You know, b- uh, the last time we come, th- there, some of you weren't in this room. God was prophetically preparing Border City Church for you who would come, and now you're in this place, and uh, it's like sometimes when, you know, Paul and Minda know they've seen our kids grow over some of the years, and, you know, last time they seen them, they're just like, wow, you know, they uh, their boys—they've always been taller than me, so uh, so, so it's just always—it's been like this. But you know, you, you see children over years, and you get to see these glimpses of growth. But for us as parents, you we're with them every day, so we're not able to maybe see the incremental the incremental growth that happens. But over time, you're able to just look back and see, wow, the Lord is doing something, and the Lord is doing something here with Border City Church. And not just with Border City Church, I really believe that we're coming in, you're coming into a season where the Lord is wanting to do something through Border City Church. And there's a there's a stage of, of maturity that happens with every believer. And I believe a stage that happens with every collective body of believers, which is this local church called Border City. And so there's things that God needs to do within us first before God can do things through us. Can you say amen to that? Right, I love the feedback. This is this is home for me. We get a lot of feedback in East LA. Like our our church is loud, and um, I remember hearing a comedian one time talking about the difference between uh, black church and white church. And he's like, "When you're in white church, like it's quiet. You just you know, people listen, and then you get to go home three songs and we're out. You know, and when 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 you're in you know minority church, people talk back, and so this is." These comedians like I went I went to a I went to a black church and like you get to talk back? Like, like they let they let you they let you talk like heck yeah so in LA we talk back so thank you for, for making this feel like home. Um, I, I believe that the kingdom of God is advancing. Not just believe, I know that the kingdom of God is advancing. Scripture tells us in, in, in Psalms that God is a father who doesn't sleep nor slumber. And we might think like, God, what are you, when are you going to do what you said you were going to do? Or, or when are those promises that you have called forth going to happen in, in my life? And saying, God is not like a man that he goes back on his promises. God is not like a human being who doesn't deliver on the things that he has said. God doesn't sleep nor slumber. And what, what I think is amazing about that is we as children of God have been created in our father's image. And if we've been created in our father's image, then we carry the DNA and even more so the characteristics of our father. Now, this can seem counterintuitive for those of us who know we need rest because we do. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, I think we've come through a season and as a church, not only in this nation, but globally due to the pandemic, due to the cultural uh, struggles that we've encountered as just being human beings on this earth, especially in this nation and especially in cities like Detroit and Los Angeles, these cultural things that are taking place that is causing the church to, to fall into a slumber. To not wanting to engage what's happening in the world around us, to, to withdraw and, and, and kind of go recluse and let's, let's just do our church thing. you know, let, let, Let's just get our feel and, and that is not the kingdom. The kingdom of God is advancing. Jesus is on the move. Our heavenly father does not sleep in slumber. He is administrating the kingdom of God. And we as a people of God are to follow the, the lead of the Holy Spirit. And so we can't be a people who are wanting to fall into a recluse slumber because God is advancing. And if we are paying attention to, to the Lord's leading then we are wanting to stay in step with the Holy Spirit as we read in Galatians, right? To keep in step with the Holy Spirit on the move. And I really believe I shared this with, with, the, with the leadership team last night. And I was honestly going to speak on being a commissioned people, which is a, a, a very common thing for me to want to give to the people of God anywhere I go. Um, but I look back on a couple of the sermons that I've shared with you, and it's been on this thing of, of being witnesses for Jesus. Uh, last June, I think I sent a, a video sermon to Border City, and it was on being witnesses. We see in Acts, and it says, the Holy Spirit will come, right, and then empower you, and you will be my witnesses. And so I, I love this thing on gifting, and, and I love the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I love that. You carry different gifts than I carry, and, and each and every one of us get to contribute to this amazing uh, 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 kingdom advancement with our different giftings, but one of the giftings I think many believers struggle with, a gifting of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to be a witness for Jesus, to be a witness for Jesus, so there, I preached that sermon, Um but prophetically, I just think you know sometimes when Vanessa and I get on the ground, things change, and and we have to you know I have to be obedient to the Lord. And I can prepare all day long for what the Lord's going to share. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably pick up a bit from what I shared with the leadership because I believe that the Lord is wanting to lead you as a whole. And sometimes when 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 I am able to speak into the lives of churches, I do see a large chasm between the leadership and the, the priesthood, or meaning the, the leadership and, and the saints of the church. And there's this chasm where, where the leaders are so far ahead and the saints are so far behind. And I, and I think sometimes it's because, you know, we, 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 we can call in ministry to come and strengthen and encourage us. And then the, the leadership team is getting meat and potatoes, you know, Carne asada y arroz con frijoles. Like, you know, it, it, it's it's like, the, the, like this amazing meal, right? And then you come into, you know, the, the, the church, you know, with, with the saints and they get, you know, Gogurts and and some juice boxes. And I, I think if if we are going to believe that the, the priesthood of all believers is going to advance together, then you need to be on the same diet. You need to have the same energy. You need to have the same sustenance as the leadership. And so I think I think the priesthood will rise to the maturity level that God is calling forth if we have faith to give it to them. Is that cool? All right. If you have your Bibles today, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1. Um, if you want to take um, notes today, the, the, the title of this sermon will be a riverbank moment. Riverbank moment. And so... Here in Joshua 1, we, we, it reads like this. It starts out pretty drastic. And if you know, you know, coming into this, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua, right? So Exodus is, is a story of the, the children of Israel exiting um, slavery out of Egypt. Uh, and then we see the, 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 the life and the ministry of Moses. Uh, his leadership is, is, is really defined um, at the end of Exodus. And then we have Numbers and Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and these are like the law of Moses and the instructions of God to His people um, on, on temple worship and uh, and all, I mean tabernacle worship and all all of handling His presence and how they're supposed to conduct themselves, being now that they have been separated by God, torn out of their out of their slavery by God by the hand of God through the miraculous wonders that he performed back in Egypt, now being sanctified by his law to be the righteous people of God, right? Then at the end of um, this ministry, we see that the entire first generation outside of two family units, Joshua and Caleb, have passed. These people who had come out of slavery into the desert wilderness who, who were who were circling for 40 years they still had the hand of god upon them the provision of the lord was seen but there was something in them that didn't enable them to enter into the promised land and and i think this is this is what i see a lot with the church with with the people of god i'm not talking about border city as a local church or restoration la but the church the people of god Many of us are just content with knowing that we have been saved out of slavery to sin and shame and death. And we are content with just living in the desert, knowing that God loves us and God protects us and God's hand is upon us. And you know what? Maybe we don't have the best life and maybe we're not living in that fullness of the promise. But at least I'm not going to hell. friends that is baseline Christianity and and I see far too many Christians you know the Apostle Paul describes this 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 walk with Jesus as a race right and we are all called to run our race and he 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 encourages us encourages us to run to win right to run to win and have you ever seen have you ever watched the Olympics and just see like like some of these amazing athletes I mean I grew up uh, I mean I, I um, went to I remember going to the Olympics in Los Angeles in 1984 at the, at the LA Coliseum it was one of the most wonderful things I mean this is I mean, Carl Lewis era I mean I mean it was just man but did you ever see a race where that gun goes off and pow and all the runners just hang out at the start line and I feel like Christians do this right that that, that gun goes off pow Right, we're called to run the race, and we're just like, Hey, I'm in the race. This is so cool. I get to hang out here at the start line. I'm in the race, and you know, we just live at that start line. God has so much more for us beyond. Right? And this was the same for the people of Israel. They were so content with just not being in Egypt anymore, and even some of them, even worse, were longing to go back to Egypt. And we've seen that with believers, too, longing, go, longing to go back to sin and going back to the bondage that they were once in. But God's calling us to more. Look at someone next to you and say, God's calling you to more. And in order to get there, listen, friends, in order to get there, I, I truly believe this for the people of God. Something has to die. For many of us, it, it's our flesh. It's that, it's that sinful nature. That thing has to be put to death. This was part of your baptism. Right. Your old nature is dying and you come out of that water and you are washed clean. Right. That old thing has died. Now you are washed clean. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is what it means to be born again. And so once you're this new creation, now you have a new life to live. Right. You have a new life to live. And this is what happens for the children of Israel. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. And he says this. Moses, uh, to Moses' assistant, he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. I mean, what a way to start, you know, a ministry. <laughs> Moses is dead. So th- I mean, Moses was, was revered by these people. They, 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 they loved and honored Moses. They weren't always obedient, and they, you know, you tried to do some horrible things to him at, in different places. But, man, the, it, God was with Moses. Moses was a friend of God. Moses saw God face to face. I mean, Moses, Moses was, I mean, there was no one like Moses up to this point in, in, the, in the history of Israel. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, listen to this, friends, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. Moses is dead. And now you, Joshua, are being charged with leading my people into the promises that I am calling forth. It's a powerful thing. No longer are you going to be living in the desert. No longer is it just going to be the provision of the Lord, you know, a cloud by day, fire by night, manna from the ground. And manna in the Hebrew means what the heck is this stuff? It, I mean, they didn't even know what it was. They were just eating this holy, you know, you know provision. And, and I don't know what it was, but you know, maybe it was grits. Huh, Rodney, maybe it was some grits. Rodney made some grits for us yesterday. They were amazing. Listen to this. I promise you what I promised Moses. You know that the promises that Jesus has given me is the same he's given you. The promises that, I mean, I don't know who you look at, at their life as being blessed in God. But I'm telling you, the promises for your life are just as huge. They're just as amazing. The promises I gave Moses, I'm promising you. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you from the Negev wilderness into the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River to the east, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. This is powerful. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail or abandon you, and this is a prophetic thing that the Lord has been saying since Paul started worship this, um, this morning. The presence of God with us. God with us. Emmanuel. Jesus with us. God in the flesh with us. His presence bringing confidence. His presence giving us security. Prophetic word Vanessa gave you. And I'm here to say it again. I will not fail you or abandon you. I'm telling you, for for someone who comes from a broken background, and traumatic childhood, fear of abandonment is a serious thing. I mean, sometimes we enter into this relationship with God and we think he's going to pull the rug out from under us. Or maybe we've had hurt in the church and we've seen the church do it wrong and we've been hurt by that. We feel this fear of abandonment like I'm afraid to engage because I'm afraid that I'm going to be left alone to do it. God says, I will not fail or abandon you. And this this is what he says. Be strong and courageous. Look at someone next to you and say, be strong and courageous. Listen to this. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land that I swore to their ancestors. I would give to them. And then he says this. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either from the right or to the left. And then you will be able to be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. And you, listen to this, will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Listen to this, friends. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Listen once again, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a promise. What a promise. Anytime the Lord repeats himself, and especially in the Hebrew language, God Yahweh is trying to to land something on on the on the heart of the listener. And he's trying to do it for us, you know, thousands of years later as we are drawing life from these passages. Be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous. Some of us need to be encouraged and reminded again and again, be strong and courageous. But he also puts these nuggets in there. In your strength and courage, be careful to obey. In your strength and courage, be sure to obey. See, we need to have the courage to obey the Lord. See, being a prophetic people, being able to see what God is calling us to requires obedience in order for us to reach that which he's called us to. And when prophetic words and, 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 and the prophetic heart of God is hinged on obedience, it's hinged on us walking in faith into the things that he's calling forth. So let's just say, um, I'll give you an example. I was It was prophesied over me at the age of 13 that I would lead the church that I'm leading today. And here's how it went. Um, my father was a, was the pastor of this, of this local church. And there was a prophetic lady in the life of our church. And she got chased out of the church because she was trying to prophesy too much over people. Okay. That's just kind of how it was back then. And I remember one of the last times she was with us, she she knelt down on like kind of on her knees and she grabbed my face and she said, Mijo, that means like son, it's like a term of endearment. I'm not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> because, but you're gonna lead this church one day. You're gonna lead this church one day. And so she kissed me on my forehead and then she left. For twenty years, not for twenty, for a lot of years, I ran from that i didn't want to be a pastor i was a pastor's kid i saw behind the curtain i I knew what pastoral life was like i i I knew all the bad things that happened in church life i mean it it was no easy thing i did not want to be that i love jesus i love what it what it felt like to be in god's presence i fell in love with worship at, at a very young age but Man, I mean, I had great examples in my grandparents about being lovers of the word and, and being filled with the spirit. I, I, I love those things, but I didn't want to be that. There's no way. So as soon as I could, I graduated high school and I joined the Marine Corps. I wasn't going to be a pastor. I was going to be a killer. Like, yeah, you, I, you, I ran. At the age of 33. Long sequence of events. Long sequence of events. We launched a church, not the same church, but we launched a new church in that building that my great-grandfather built. And I'm leading that church till to today. Leading the inheritance that was laid by saints who had gone before me. It was a prophetic word. But I was disobedient for years. Years. And I remember what happened when when, when I got handed the keys to this, this church building. not the church it's a church building but it's a significant part of the church building or church for us and i got these keys and i just felt the weight of responsibility and i remember going into the, the office that used to be my father's office and feeling crushed by by the responsibility and i was crushed by the deterioration of this building that I remember was once beautiful, that was once kept up by the saints in this church, and somehow this church had been ran into the ground, and the walls were peeling, and the carpet was being pulled up, and I mean, it was horrible. And I asked the Lord, how can you let this happen? How can you let this happen to this church? How can they let this happen? I was I was angry with the pri- prior leadership. I was angry with God. And honestly, this is, this is the rebuke Last encouragement I heard from the Lord. I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. You see, prophetic words are nothing without obedience. And at the age of 13, a woman told me I would lead that church. And I ran, and it took 20 years. Twenty years for me to walk into that. Twenty years. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous, but be careful to obey. Be sure to obey. If you believe that, say amen. Listen, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, there's confidence in God's presence. In Border City, I really believe that the the church that Jesus is building is in a season of needing great courage. Needing great courage from you. Needing great courage for me, courage to be the people of God, courage to be on mission, courage to fight battles, courage to enter into the promises. I mean, we all want the promises of God to be fulfilled in our lives. But do we have the courage to hold on to Jesus until we get there, the courage to fight the fights, the courage to be the holy people he's called us to be? And that word holy means set apart. And in Spanish, it means something. It, the word is santo. And, and that it kind of saints, right? Holy people, santo. To be holy, set apart. I mean, we the people of God have always been marked by the presence of God. Holy people. Now listen to this. We're going to skip forward into Joshua 3. Joshua, Moses is dead. You now need to lead these people into the promises. It's going to take courage from you. But listen to this. Early the next morning, Joshua 3, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. And three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Le- Le- I'm sorry, Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, move out from your position and follow them. And if you know anything about the Ark of the Covenant, it was this, it was this, this, this beautiful, ornate box. that they they used to carry very significant things that the Lord instructed them to put in there, the law of Moses. Um, um, But listen, this thing more than anything carried the presence of God. It It was the embodiment of the presence of God. It was something that the people of God were able to look to and recognize that the presence of God was with them. And he was saying the presence of God needs to go before you as you enter into this promised land. So f- when you see the, the the priest carrying this ark, get behind it. Line up behind it. Get behind that presence and follow along. And since you listen to this. Since you have never traveled this way before, this is significant, friends. Since you have never been to this place before. Since you have never entered into this space before. Since you have never been here before. And I believe that's what God is calling us into in this season as a church. You, Border City, Restoration Los Angeles, his church, we are entering into a place that we have never seen before. I mean, this world is, is not like it's ever been before. I mean, just think about the things that are happening. Every generation thinks like, you know, this next generation has been the worst or whatever it is. And I don't know your, your global view on the world, but we need to have a God-sized view of what's happening in this world. A kingdom view, a Christ-like view of what's happening in the world. And I'm telling you, it's going to require us to enter into spaces that we have never been before. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Priests, the leaders of God who carry the presence of God will guide you. But more than that, the very presence of God itself, the Holy Spirit for us in the new covenant will guide us and lead us. Stay about a half a mile behind them. And this was very this was very uh, um, particular to them because the presence of God w- was so mighty at that time. I mean, if you ha- mishandled the presence of God, you'd be struck and dead. I mean, we see how King David tried to usher in the Ark of the Covenant that was stolen uh, um, by um, the giants. Uh, Goliath's tribe, whatever were they were. Yeah, the Philistines, right? The Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. And when David got that thing back, he was so excited to just bring it back in. He's just like, you know, bring it in and all that kind of stuff. And, and one man mishandled it. The, the Ark was about to tip over it. He put his hand on that Ark and was struck and dead. And Abraham, or David was like, Lord, we were trying to do a good thing. But doing a good thing needs to be done right when it comes to the presence of God, right? Right? keep a clear distance between you and the ark and listen, make sure that you don't come any closer, right? Thank God in this new covenant, we we have the presence of the living God inside of us. We, we are essentially the ark, but the, the presence of God indwells in us, the children of God. What a beautiful thing. And we get to allow the Holy Spirit inside us to lead us and guide us to, to th- where we're going. So here's the crossing of the Jordan. So if you're taking notes, number one was be strong and courageous. Number two, listen, friends, is when the presence move, we move. When the presence of God moves, we move. We need to be ready as the Holy Spirit. And be part of being a prophetic people is we're, we're listening, we're watching, and we're obeying. Listening, watching, and obeying. God speaks, we listen. God moves, we move. The people of God have always been marked by the Lord's presence. This is what sets us apart from being anyone else on the planet is the presence of God. In Exodus chapter 33, we see Moses have have this conversation with the Lord and his presence. And he says this. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. God, if you are not going with us, then don't make us leave. We don't want to go. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people if you don't go with us? If God does not go with us, what makes us different than anyone else? How are, how are we going to differentiated from any other people group on the planet, if God is not with us? And he says this: "For your presence amongst us set your people and me apart from all other people on the earth." Isn't that powerful? It's the presence of God that separates us from anyone else on this earth. We should love the presence of God. When God's presence move, we move. And the old covenant, Levitical priests, were charged with carrying the Lord's presence. And the new covenant, listen, friends, the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers is charged with carrying the Lord's presence. You and I get to carry the Lord's presence. What a privilege that we get to carry the Lord's privilege. But it's significant that these priests are identified. And leaders, listen, friends, leaders, and this is a challenge that I gave to your leadership team last night. Leaders must be marked by the presence of God. They have to be marked with the presence of God. Because if they aren't marked with the presence of God, then we shouldn't be following. Because why? We follow the presence of God. Right? We're not following man. Right? We're not not following, you know, a, a, a strategy plan. We're following the presence of God. And God is on the move. The kingdom of God is advancing. So we're going to follow his presence. This is the kind of um, leaders we want to follow. But listen, friends, this is also the kind of leaders we must desire to be. Because whether you believe it or not, you are a leader in the kingdom of God. You are called to lead people into salvation. You are called to lead people out of Egypt, not into the desert land, into the promised land. This is what you're called to be a herald for that Vanessa was talking about, to be a herald for the kingdom of God to preach the gospel to all mankind, to lead them to be followers of Jesus. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, we read this. Then Joshua told the people, so, so now they're, they're at this riverbank, right? They're at this riverbank, right? They're, they're waiting and they're looking across the Jordan and they're saying, be ready. When the, when the priests get ready and they start crossing, you line up behind them, get behind them, until Joshua tells the people this. Listen, then Joshua said to the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders amongst you. Purify yourself. Now listen, these people had already been delivered from Egypt. These people have already known the provision of the Lord. They've seen fire by, by night and clouds by day. I mean, they've seen God do amazing things. But in this moment, this riverbank moment, when they're standing on the shoreline, And they're looking across the Jordan and the the, the promised land is is within sight, kind of within view or maybe even 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 within taste. And why taste? Because the promised land was described as a land of milk and honey. These prophetic images of the goodness of God. right? The the, the, the nurturing, satisfying pleasure of God was going to be in the promised land. And that's very unlike the desert. A land of just enough. The promised land is, is a land of more than enough. The goodness of God, the provision of God we've seen, but the goodness of God, the inheritance of God, right? And so Joshua says, Purify yourself. It's a riverbank moment, standing on, on, the, on that bank, looking across. And can you imagine what that felt like? Joshua was saying, Ready yourselves. Get yourselves ready. And this was not just, you know, individual adults. It was women, children. I mean, this was like, get your stuff in order. We're about to go. And I don't know if you've ever been, like, on a camping trip when you have to go places. I mean, I, I've, I've shared this with people. I was like, when I go on a camping trip by myself, it's easy. I'm, I, I can sleep under the stars with a canteen of water and some MREs, right? MREs are like those dehydrated food you eat in the military, like whatever. You go camping with your wife and kids, it's a whole different story. Right. We got cots and ice chests and, you know, portable barbecues and flashlights and and, and, and and you know, weather appropriate sleeping bags and layers of clothes. I mean, it's a whole different deal. So it's like ready yourself. If I was by myself, it's like, all right, let's go. I'm ready. But this is ready yourself. We're about to cross. It's like, whoa, I got kids and I got I got stuff, all this kind of stuff. It's purify yourself. Get ready. Right. This is a significant moment for these people. Joshua had told God people, you have never been here before, right? But he had. He had seen God do the miraculous. Him and Caleb were the only ones from the first generation to see what God was capable of. When that Red Sea split, when that Red Sea split and it opened up and the the children of Israel who were escaping Pharaoh came through that dry land, he had seen what God can do. Prepare yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders amongst you. This is so good. He knew this next generation of Hebrews was about to experience something amazing. He knew it prophetically, and he was telling them, get ready. God's going to do something awesome. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. And I'm here to prophesy over you today, Border City Church. Be ready. God is about to do Something amazing in your life, in the life of this church. And and we can't think about this only individualistically and we can't think about this only corporately. We have to think about this holistically. God is wanting to do something amazing collectively with Border City Church, which also means God wants to do something amazing with you in your life. We can't separate the two. You're in a riverbank moment. Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders amongst you. That word purify, it's translated in three different ways in the English language, um, if you look at different versions. Purify, in the New Living um, Translation. Consecrate, in the English Standard Version. And sanctify, in the King James Version. These three words, all meaning the same thing. And it's a Hebrew word, right? It's hit kadasu, I can't say, I don't speak Hebrew, but there it goes. But listen to this, it means to consecrate, to sanctify, to prepare, to dedicate, to be hallowed, to be holy. Act like, you're, act like you're, se- you're separated by God. Act like you're set apart. I don't know if you've ever heard that saying, you've heard a parent say, you better act like you belong to somebody. Right? You better act like my son. This is what I, I, I tell my son when I drop him off at school. You remember whose son you are? His mind. Act accordingly. Sanctify yourself. Be hallowed. Be holy. Be sanctified. Be separate. Be set apart. Get yourself ready. Align yourself up with the kingdom of God. Align yourself up with what God is calling forth. Align yourself up with the prophetic words that God has spoken over your life. Get ready because God's about to do wonders. And I believe that for you. I believe that God is about to do wonders amongst you. Ready yourself in the Lord. Not just just in the flesh. not, Not just behavior modification. Align yourself up. Ready yourself in the Lord. Align yourself up with Jesus. Align yourself up with his word. Align yourself up with his spirit. Align yourself up with the kingdom of heaven. Align yourself with God. Exodus chapter 33, verse 3, that conversation between Moses and, and, and God and, and Moses talking about, man, I, we need your presence. We're, we're not, we're not going to go anywhere without your presence. But listen to this. Moses says this to the Lord. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Teach me your ways. And what, what, what Moses was saying is, Lord, teach me to be right with you. I want to know you. Teach me to be right with you. And this is kind of what sanctifying and lining yourself up with God is. If you want biblical blessings, listen, friends, if we want biblical blessings, then we need to follow biblical pattern. We need to follow biblical pattern. We need to line ourselves up with biblical values and the kingdom of God. Show me, Lord, what it means to be right with you. This is what Moses was saying. Matthew Henry says about this, this passage in um, in Joshua, it says, see what preparation we must make to receive the discoveries of God's glory. Man, you want to see God's glory? Then you need to make some preparations to, to experience God's glory. See what preparations we must make. See what does it mean to sanctify myself. What does it mean for Border City to align itself up with what God is doing in the kingdom and wants to do to impact this city. Align ourselves up. to Make the preparations necessary to see the glory of God fall on this city. Make the preparations to see the glory of God fall on your life. Make the preparations to see the glory of God fall on your marriage. Make the preparations necessary to f- uh, fall on the glory of your children. Make the preparations to see the glory of God fall on your finances. I mean, you just take this to the nth degree. Make the preparations. Our, our job is to align ourselves up with Jesus. It's not to earn it, not to gain it. There's not, Jesus, Jesus has already called these things forth, and it's us lining ourselves with it. If you believe that, say amen. I believe the church is in a riverbank moment, friends. We're in a riverbank moment. We're standing on the edge of that river. We're standing on the edge, and God is showing us the promised land. We're no longer in Egypt, a place of bondage and shackles. We're no longer in the desert, a place of just enough. We're standing on the edge of God's promises. We can look across the Jordan, we can see it. We can look across the Jordan and almost taste it. I believe there are far too many believers who are content with imagining the taste of God's goodness. We have a theology of it, right? We can find the Bible verses about it, but have not experienced His goodness. You know, we can't give anyone anything that we don't carry ourselves. We can't give anything to anyone we don't carry ourselves. I, I, I can tell you how amazing a tamale taste during christmas time <laughs> now you, you, you might call it a tamale it's a tamale and a tamale is, is like maize corn corn maize right wrapped or or stuffed stuffed cornmeal stuffed with meat and cheese and sauce and when you cut that thing open it just kind of spreads like butter and the meat kind of pops through And 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 it's like, I mean, you can get them hot. You can get them mild. I love the hot ones. And I can tell you all about how amazing a tamale tastes. And you might be able to imagine it. You might imagine it right now. I'm probably hurting myself because you're getting hungry. But if I gave it to you, but if I gave it to you and you were able to taste the goodness of God because I carry it, and I can't give you anything that I don't carry myself. Friends, we can't give anything to our, our neighbors. We can't give anything to our city. We can't give anything to this nation that we don't carry ourselves. We're standing on the edge of the promises. And I believe there are far too many of us who are imagining the goodness and not experiencing the goodness. Too many believers content with living on the edge of God prom- God's promises and not In God's promises. That's the riverbank moment, I believe, for the church today. Walking in the fullness of what God has for us. What's holding you back from crossing the Jordan? What's holding you back from crossing that Jordan? What's holding you back from living in God's promise? What's holding you back and causing you to settle rather than pioneer? I mean, have you heard that, like, like settlers and pioneers? I mean, when sometimes you, we think they're the same thing, and they're not. Pioneers are the trailblazers. They're the ones who face the giants. They're the ones who pave the roads, and then the settlers come behind and set up shop. And we're called to be pioneers. We're called to be trailblazers to continue to follow the presence of God that is on the move and advancing today. It's that thing, what's that thing inside of you that needs to be surrendered to the Lord? Because purifying yourself means maybe you need to rid yourself of some baggage, right? I remember one time we were, I was in the, when I was in combat training um, in Camp Pendleton, California, it's a crazy storm. I, I, was, I, was, I was in infantry training school and there was this huge storm that, that on the ocean um, near, near San Diego down there. And there was this, r- we were in combat town. It was like this urban setup, you know, for, for us to learn urban warfare. And so we were over there, you know, doing door-to-door drills and learning how to jump off two-story roofs and repelling and stuff like this. And this storm started sweeping through and the, the, the leadership of our platoon was like, hey, we're gonna have to get back to the barracks because this, this storm's coming through. And there was a river that separated where we were from, I mean, there's not a lot of rivers in California, but there was one here. And it's, it's coming, um, separating us from the barracks. And so they're like, we need to cross, right? We need to cross. And so as we were thinking we're crossing, I mean, here we are with everything we owned on our backs. These 90-pound packs that had, you know, shelter halves and iso mats and uniforms and food and, and flashlights and canteens and ammo and an M16. And so they were like, strip everything down. You're not taking anything but water and your weapon. Let go of the baggage. We got to get to this river. We got to get to this river. And sometimes we have to think about the things that we need to strip off of our lives in order to cross this river. In order to cross this river, we have to strip those things, right? Is it fear? Is it fear that's causing you to stay on the edge of the riverbank and not, not get into the river? Surrender it to the Lord. Is it complacency? That complacency where we're just content, like, hey, you anyway, it's kind of cool to stay here at the edge of the river. I mean, a lot of people in California go to the river. I mean, I don't know why we go to the river. When we have the Pacific Ocean on the other side, people don't go to the desert river. It's weird. And we got 800 miles of coast in California. People go to the Arizona River. It's like the weirdest thing. But it's complacency. Let's just hang here on the riverbank. No, get in the river. If it's complacency, surrender it to the Lord. It's a spiritual laziness. Gosh, I know what that's like. To just be spiritually lazy, just be tired. I don't, I don't want to do this church stuff anymore. And that's the, the, the thing, friends, that's a lack of revelation. It's not church stuff. The church is not the kingdom, but the church is in the kingdom. And we have to recognize this is a kingdom thing, not a church thing. This is about Jesus and his glory. This is about God who has called us to the promised land. And we're thinking that this is about us. We're thinking the promised land is for me. No, that's the Lord's land. And he is calling you to come and be a part of it. And we think this Christian thing is about making my life awesome. And it's not. It's about bringing glory to King Jesus. And when we have that kind of revelation, everything changes. Why do soldiers do what they do? For their own glory? For the sake of their nation? who they signed on the bottom line to give one's life for no matter what. This is what we've done when we said yes to Jesus. We've answered the call of the commander-in-chief of the kingdom of God. This is what we're called to do. I've experienced these things, friends. Fear, complacency, spiritual laziness. I've experienced living on riverbank moments and wanting to just stay there because crossing just seemed too much. The Lord is saying, "My presence is with you. Come, come and see the goodness of God on the other side. Come, I have so much more for you. I'm not you weren't meant to live on the riverbanks of the Jordan. You're meant to not even live in the river. You're meant to live on the Promised Land. Maybe you're living on the riverbanks of your life." Maybe you're living on the riverbanks in your marriage. Maybe you're on the riverbanks in ministry. Maybe you're on the riverbanks in parenting. Whatever it is, we're standing on the edge and God is saying, come on out. Come on out. Jesus calls his people into his promises. And when fear has gripped me, fear has gripped you, it can cripple you. It can cripple you. And we have to contend with faith. Faith is believing in things that we have not seen. But faith comes by hearing. And hearing goes from the word of God. And when God calls us out, we have to step out of the boat. Right? I want to close with this passage, if that's okay with you. Listen, friends, I've had to rid myself of so much. I really believe it's a time for the church. And maybe you can take this as individually, time for you to rid yourself. Purify yourself, to sanctify yourself, and to hold on to Jesus in this next season. Because I'm telling you, God wants to do wonders amongst you. He wants to do wonders in your life. He wants to do wonders in the life of this church. He wants to do wonders in, the, uh, in this city through the life of this church because God is on the move. First Peter um, says this, and I, I love this passage. I'm going to read it in two versions because I think um, one, um, a version speaks to, to me in a different way. And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? First Peter 3, 13 through 16. Who's there to harm you if you prove to be zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. When God's calling you out into the promised land and you, and you start fearing all the things that's going to happen, you're going to lose friends and you're going to lose family. And, and you're fearing all that's going to happen because you're afraid to step into this life with Jesus. God is saying, what is that? compared to him and even if you should suffer even if you do lose friends even if you do do lose lose out on things of this world even if you should suffer a little bit for the sake of his righteousness you are blessed and do not fear their intimidation and do not be in dread but listen to this verse 15 but sanctify Whoa, here we go again sanctify christ as lord in your hearts Align yourself with that, that Christ is the Lord in your heart. Christ is Lord, your master. Christ says, Lord in your hearts, and listen to this, always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Always be ready to make a defense for anyone who asks you for the hope that is inside of you. It's Christ. We had a friend named Paul Collinson in our church recently from Australia. And he said this, I'm tired of hearing Christians say, when I ask them how their weekend was, like, oh, it was cool. What did you do? Eh, not much. Did you not go to church on Sunday? Did you not meet with the bride of Christ on Sunday? Did you not worship with God's people on Sunday? Did you not get encouraged by the word of God on Sunday? Did you not align yourself with the kingdom of heaven as you were singing the praises of Jesus along with all of heaven's angels on Sunday? You did nothing on Sunday. Always be ready to give it a, 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 a defense for the hope that's inside of you. Man, while we're crossing this river, while we're entering into this promised land, we're on mission. We're called to give hope to the people that we encounter. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's inside of you, but with gentleness and respect. Listen, I've been beat up with the Bible before, and it doesn't work. I know what it's like to hear the guy on the corner preaching the gospel, you're going to die, you're going to go to hell, and I've heard it. Do it with respect and gentleness. This is how jesus delivered his gospel listen and keep a good conscience so that in the timing in which you are slandered it's guaranteed people are going to speak against you you're set apart you're god's kid someone's going to say something right if you're doing it right those who disparage you or disparage your good behavior in christ will be put to shame and we're not living for their shame but man it's going to happen because god is sovereign Right? This life isn't really about promises. <laughs> it's really about living for the promise maker. It's about Jesus. The message reads like this, and I, I don't study from the message, but I like reading it to reference it sometimes. Listen to what the message says in this passage. If with heart and soul you're doing good, do you think you can be stopped? Even if you suffer for it, you're still better off. Don't give the opposition a second thought. Through thick and thin, keep your heart at attention and adoration for Christ. Keep your heart at attention and adoration for Christ. A military man knows what this feels like. When an officer walks into the room, your body locks and cocks in attention. And you give that man every ounce of it. This is what we give to Jesus. Keep your heart at that attention with King Jesus, this is what it means to sanctify him as Lord of our lives. Be ready to speak up and tell everyone who asks you why you're living the way you are. Man, how come you don't cuss anymore? I'm still working on that, friends. But you've changed. What's going on? Ah, I just don't feel like doing it. Jesus is doing something with me. How come you don't do this activity that we used to do anymore? Cuz Jesus is changing me. How come I don't see you on Sunday morning uh, you know going to the to the soccer games anymore? Eh, I don't feel like it. I've chosen to go to church on Sunday. Be ready to tell people why you're living the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. Don't condemn them because they're not doing it. Give an invitation. This was Minda's encouragement to you, a part of the being sticky. Invite. Your church should not be the greatest secret in your life or in your neighborhood. If, if the church is the vehicle that is ushering in the kingdom of God here on earth, then the most exciting thing that is happening on this planet in your life should be happening through your church. I don't think you heard me. God ordains the times and places for men to dwell. You're you're living in this time and this place and coming to this church. The most exciting thing that's happening through the kingdom of God is happening collectively through this people group. That's powerful. I'm not saying it's not happening anywhere else. But this is where you are. Because we're doing some cool things in East L.A. And I think I'm more excited about it than most people. But. Jesus is doing it. Oh, let me land here. Sorry. Keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing that they're the ones who need a bath. It's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to be punished for doing bad. That's what Christ did definitively. He suffered because of other sins the righteous one for the unrighteous ones he went through it all was put to death and then made alive to bring us to god oh that amazing if you guys are willing would you guys please stand with me this morning